0: Welcome to the best of Breakfast with Vossi and Brandy. Unfortunately, Brandy was a little tired from his two days of work so far this year. So, needed to have one of his RDOs. But never fear, the Missile is back, part of the team in 2023. And it was a good day to have him on the show with a news surrounding Peter Bowl in the last 24 hours. And James gave us his thoughts on how the process was handled. Uh, the Wednesday morning edition of Breakfast with Vossi and Brandy. Scrub Brandy bring in James Magnuson. And this is quite incredible. Fair income, One win in a pre-season challenge match in Maruya. He's decked out in Bulldogs gear head to think Are they grand final tickets you've got there, James? Good morning. How you doing? Freshly
1: purchased, Vossie. Thank you for having <laughs> me. Uh, can I just say off straight off the top, that's a big improvement. Mr. Brightside, so I'm big fan of that. I actually asked producer Ben if I could walk into who let the dogs out today. Couldn't get yeah. it done oh. in time, but I'm here.
0: Yeah. Well look, it's um it's great to see the vibe. or oh, to, to feel the vibe. I mean, I witnessed it out there. I did a bit of filming recently James in Belmore yes. and it was it's coming out of everywhere the vibe. And people talk, everything's positive around Canterbury for this season. So James, if there's new time listeners to our program, yes James, you're a lifelong Bulldog supporter and you've got you've you've you're feeling it. I'm
1: you're feeling, feeling it, it, bossy. What a great weekend though. Football's back, we had UFC, we had Super Bowl. Uh, great time to be alive. Great time to be on uh, Breakfast Radio with you because i finally got something to talk about. You've been gone all summer. We've been talking like, you know, backyard cricket and things like that. We've got sport yeah. back.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. Now, look, just on um, an issue we spoke about yesterday, but there's been a change, if you're not aware, straight off the top of the program uh, because of hot weather forecast this weekend, change to the pre-season challenge times. And it's around the big matches too. So the uh, Charity Shield between South Sydney and the Dragons was due to kick off at 3.30 on uh, Saturday afternoon. It's now going to kick off at 4.20. Um, they're expecting temperatures of around 36 at Mudgee James. Mm-hmm. Then the World Club Challenge on the back of a, you know, somewhere between 30 and 40 degree day out at Penrith. Uh, that The World Club Challenge now, Panthers and St Helens, will kick off at 6.50. So not 6 o'clock. So 6.50. And that means the last game on Saturday night up in Queensland at Sunshine Coast Stadium, Broncos and Cowboys. Uh, that's been pushed back to 8.55 or 7.55 local time. 8.55 New South Wales. So there's a few changes. Now, yesterday we were talking about uh, this one, James. We, we, we'll keep this poll open today because we um, got some good reaction to it. And I think you can kick it off again on the back of those changes. The Sunday night 6 o'clock time slot. Uh, The Dolphins game against the Cowboys last Sunday was the most watched of the pre-season challenge games on on Fox League. Now, I put it out there that we've been doing these Sunday games for the first five rounds of the competition. I love them, but this is from a TV point of view, viewer point, you know, uh, uh, sitting at home watching it. I'd like to see it go all season. What about you, James? Are you a Sunday 6 p.m. man, yes or no?
1: Yes, absolutely. When they change it, do they move that back to, is it a,
0: 2pm on Sunday? Well, yes, they yeah. we we have a 2. Well, yes, we have a 2pm Sunday game. Correct. Yeah,
1: No, I, I prefer right. the 6pm. 2pm I'm still getting into my work on a Sunday. 6pm the day is over. Uh, you've got those Sunday blues where you're thinking about getting up early the next day for work. So it's nice just to easy way into the working week with a game of rugby league at 6pm.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, well as for fans actually going to the game, that that potentially is an issue but I I say it's an issue at two o'clock as well in a lot of people's lives on the weekend it just seems that we're getting busier and busier so we'll keep that poll open today if you want to participate on our twitter account at Vossi Brandy S-E-N uh Sunday night 6 p.m game for the entire season yes or no we'll uh relay that feedback during the program now you mentioned um things happening big guest today James Matt Rogers coming on the program. Matt Rogers is now part of the SEN family. Um, We're we're talking superstar. dual international. um, Terrific fella. Uh, Lots of stories to tell. Matt Rogers will be coming on the program this morning. So too will Alex Wilkinson. um, One of the most experienced players in the A-League. Sydney FC captain. Sydney FC in form. And a match on Saturday against the Brisbane Raw. Now the Sydney Kings tonight against the Cairns Taipans. James... When I left you last Christmas, you were saying, well, I haven't actually been courtside. And I said, it's got to happen. And I was hoping that the Kings people would be in touch. James, have you experienced the Kings courtside yet? Yet weird. to
1: experience it, Bossy. I've been oh, beachside, I but I haven't been courtside. My man, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm waiting. Sydney Kings, reach out.
0: <laughs> the NBLC, well, look. Tonight it is. Um, it's the first in the best of three, potentially a best of three yes. if they if they split the early games. Cairns Taipans not to be taken likely lightly in uh, in the wake of their win in Perth. Uh, so it all gets underway tonight. We had Paul Smith on the program yesterday. So Sydney Kings uh, playing tonight. Now James, big story yesterday. Now you you are as qualified as anyone to talk about this. From an athlete's point of view, the Peter Bowl story, because the layman out there, the putters, we're scratching our heads going, Well, huh? <laughs> How does mm. this happen? How yeah. does it work? Like, I want you to take us right back. We're talking A sample positive, B sample negative. Can you take us all right now, if you will, into the cubicle? Yep. Where the test starts, what is the process and has it changed over the years? What you experienced in your elite career as an athlete, would it be exactly the same now how it's how the testing is done?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not that long retired, but the, the testing has always been the same. So basically you open up a kit that, uh, and you, and you see your kit, make sure it's never been used before. So everything's in sealed plastic containers. You've got a beaker and then you've got two vials. The urine goes into the beaker and then to make the the A sample and the B sample, you just use that one, be- one beaker to pour into a vial A, which is your A sample, and vial B, which is your B sample. So they're not two different tests. It's not two different days. It's done in one, split in half, and off it goes. The same for the blood. They take your blood, put it in a vial. They then put half of it in a, an A sample, half in a B sample. It all gets packaged up, sealed. All done by the athlete. At no point does the tester touch any of this stuff. The athlete does it all to make sorry, sure that it can't I, be contaminated.
0: Sorry, you're the one who tips.
1: Yeah, you, you visit. You do it. The yep. athlete does it. You do it. You wow. do it all. You do all of it, so that the drug tester never touches anything during the whole process to make sure that there's no tampering. Nothing's contaminated. Uh, the athlete is con- in control of the whole process. the The tester basically just witnesses everything. And makes sure procedurally that everything flows the way it's supposed to. So, the the fact that the fact that an A sample and a B sample can return different results, it it's almost has to be down to an interpretation of the readings by the person testing that sample. Because nothing can really happen between the the A sample and the B sample. It's not a different day. It's not. It's not different conditions. It's not a different environment. They haven't been stored in different locations. Everything is done in unison.
0: Mm. Well, okay. Now I'm going to jump ahead to yesterday. So have you got an explanation um, uh, like where this may land on the back of that? Because would there be people all around the world saying, well, hang on, told you this can happen. Like the, the integrity of the test now are we just are we just going to move on from a human error in an isolated incident, or is there is there more problems at play here, James? What's your thoughts? Oh, I think
1: it's very problematic, Vossi. I, I've personally only really heard of this once before. I, I don't know if you remember this. This is we could be going back twenty years here. Ian Thorpe returned a test that they were that they were suspect on. They said that the numbers didn't line up, and they thought it was a positive test. They went back, tested his B sample, and it was all fine. I think it was for something like raised testosterone levels or abnormally high testosterone levels, but then they compared it to his his prior tests and results, and they tested his B sample, and it was all fine. But the thing for Peter Bowl is his reputation for the past oh, yeah. six weeks, I think it's been, mm. has mm. been absolutely tarnished. So I think he's got a real case against uh, Sport Integrity Australia, but also... WADA, the World Anti Doping Authority.
0: Well also the release of the um of the result of the A of the A sample. This you know, is, is yeah. It not how, where does it how does it get out? How does the news get out? Should it not should should the um sampling process, the testing process not run its full course before anything reaches the public domain?
1: This is what upsets me, Vossi is like I said, that A sample and the B sample right next to each other, sealed and packaged in the same box, sent off to the testers. Every time this happens, though, someone's A sample test positive, it's released to the media, this person's reputation is just done from that from that point, essentially. Mm. And they say, we're going to test the B sample and see if the results, uh, you know, match the A sample. Why would you not go test the A sample? Oh, we've got a strange result here. Straight into test B sample. It's right next to the A sample. Why did they wait? This was wait, this waited weeks. I remember when it came out, they said, We're not testing the B sample until February. In the meantime, Peter Bowles' life has just turned upside down. He's accused of being a drug cheat. His reputation will never fully recover from this because there'll be competitors of his, there'll be sponsors, there'll be uh, other athletes around the world who will be dodgy on this for the rest of his career. And in that meantime, he's just tarnished with that brush of being a drug cheat. If I was Peter Bowl, I would be. T- I'd be taking legal action.
0: Yeah, well, well I would too. So you you just say simple fix, really, in terms of the testing: A sample, B sample, tested at the same time, yeah, at the same time, and get the result and just compare the two. Absolutely. Why Why have this this theater almost um, between the two? Uh, Richard Ings, who no longer does interviews, but we have spoken to previously in the past, and he knows the subject inside out. Um, he made the point yesterday, the A sample gets released because it automatically triggers the athlete being suspended. So the athlete can't suddenly go missing while suspended without explanation. Now, just one little curly one before we move on to other things. Michael Gleeson, writing in the Sydney Morning Herald, said that 12 months earlier, a, another urine test from Peter Bowl, test for EPO, Led to con- uh, contradictory analysis by wada approved testing laboratories. It had happened before. One lab said the result of the test from 2021 was a minor positive for EPO, only yeah. for a second lab analysing the same A sample, to say it was negative. Mm. Uh, is it, again, how do, how, do, how do the rest, of, how do the putters here get their head around this? Like. It's,
1: it's again, it is quite bizarre, but I, I say again, Vossi, if these results are inconclusive and they're talking about this behind mm. doors, it should stay exactly there behind closed doors. If he hasn't mm. been actively injecting himself with EPO and they can't prove that it shouldn't, that, that knowledge shouldn't be released to the public. The guy probably has naturally higher levels or naturally elevated levels. It's probably part of why he's such a talented athlete, but if you're inconclusive or your tests don't prove that he has done anything, shut the hell up and don't release that to the public because you're just tarnishing this poor guy's reputation.
0: Strong stuff. James Magnusson, uh, two-time world champion in uh, freestyle. Great to be uh, have uh, James on this morning with this story running. Uh, James now an established member of the SEN team. Uh, we're not all serious, though. We, we do like to have some fun. Uh, there was a story today... <laughs> I just got to throw it in the mix before we take the first break and because I, we'll get talk back on all sorts of things but what if this happened in the rugby league there are areas rugby league as yet you know we have lots of scandals we have lots of misbehaving but there's some areas that we've never gone and there's a story out of the German ballet this morning James I'm throwing this at you without notice the headline caught me: German ballet director suspended after smearing dog feces in critic's face. <laughs> I thought this is an interesting story. It happened in the intermission. It happened in the intermission of a performance of this German ballet company, and the, re- the, the director, so upset with what this critic had written previously, has produced a bag of dog feces and rubbed it in the person's <laughs> face. Now, the, the, the German ballet director later apologized, saying it was unacceptable behaviour. Wow! Thank you. But what if it happened in rugby? I wonder if there's any any players out there that like to do it to uh, to journalists or commentators. Um, Could it happen? And what would be the punishment, James? I'm throwing that at you. It's not a poll. It's not a poll. I'm just throwing this at you. Uh, Has there been a case in your career where you wish you had a spare bag of dog feces handy, James? Oh, yeah,
1: probably. There's a few, what we call in swimming, mixed zones where the journalists get into you a bit. I wouldn't have have minded a bag of feces yeah. at, at hand
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean sorry folks to be talking dog feces in this but isn't that an amazing story that at the ballet like we're talking in an opera like in a big building they'd be all dressed up it's it's a different sort of crowd and this is the director of the damn show rubs dog feces in in a journalist's face well as i said if it happened in rugby league it'd be life bands wouldn't it it'd be public hanging just about but there you go there's a story for you what the punishment be have you ever heard of something like that and is there a no I don't want to have a poll as to who you would like to rub I, I think that could get out of control today but that is a weird weird story Uh we've got cricket on this morning happening right now at the 220 World Cup uh, Australia and the women's playing Bangladesh and we'll also have Champions League later this morning there James now that you are a permanent uh, host midweek do you Does Brandy leave you with the football desk? Do you actually unpack the desk? And will you be updating the scores of the Champions League this morning? Yes, he's passed on
1: the baton and I'm ready to go.
0: Excellent. Okay, well, that's great because they are big matches. AC Milan against Tottenham. PSG versus Bayern Munich uh, this morning. I will check to see if Mbappe is back from injury, playing alongside of Messi in that PSG side. You're listening to The Best of Breakfast with Vossi and Brandy this morning with James Magnussen. And James gave us a behind-the-scenes look at how the drug testing process is done from an athlete's point of view, and it certainly took us all by surprise. There's, there really is a podcast in this whole drug testing thing, because this, I have learnt more this morning, and stuff that I didn't know that I needed to learn, <laughs> but now I'm really happy that I have. It is incredible. There are questions here from listeners. Vossi, can you ask the missile if the tester is wearing splash proof clothing just in case you miss the beaker? <laughs> Fair question, because you are very close. You've now explained they are standing in front of you. Yeah. Not beside you. No. They are standing opposite you. Do they wear any clothing of any
1: kind? No. No, but actually, uh, they have a, a uniform aside. Uh, right. it. It's like a full khaki uniform khaki shirt, khaki pants. It's uh... a. <laughs> Well, there's another thing
0: I've never learned about. There you go. Putting together this fact sheet. As I said, it's a podcast, drug testing. This one. Uh, I need six beers before I can go with someone next to me. Hashtag stage fright. That's yeah. The black Stump eel. Fair Forget
1: point. about next to you. Black Stump eel. Try in front of you. <laughs> it's yeah, even worse. In front of
0: you. In front of you. Like, yeah. you know, you talk about the dehydration aspect, and that's yeah. what Alex Wilkinson was talking about from Sydney FC. Yeah. But then add the aspect of... Blake's looking straight at you.
1: I'll give you one more little detail, Vossi, that makes it even worse. It's mm. shirts off, pants down what? to your knees to make sure there's no apparatus that you could possibly be using to give a fake sample. So you... Hang on. Sorry. imagine that. So
0: you are topless, so you you have not a shred of clothing on your upper half. Yes. And your pants are dropped below the knee.
1: Correct. It's full on. Just the same for women? I have no idea.
0: <laughs> I would just, oh, no, I would I'm assume asking. So. Seriously. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'd right. assume yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. So you can't bring in another sample out of, out of the sleep. Um, so the biochemist has come back. Thank you, biochemist. Missile. So if you're suffering a bit of stage fright, what do you discuss with the tester? while you were face-to-face in the cubicle. What is the longest time you took to sample? Longest time I've taken
1: this. for a sample. That's an interesting one. Probably I remember a specific time I was – I'm not sure if it was a state or a national championship, so I was at Homebush here in Sydney. I raced about 10 o'clock at night, uh, went from – went out, got out of the pool and went straight to the bathroom after I raced because I'd just been uh. I'd just been holding on while I raced. Into the bathroom comes a tester and says, uh, we're, we're going to test you after that, that performance. Yep, no worries. Do my swim down. Uh, go to the testing room there at Homebush and just could not, for the life of me, because I'd just been to the bathroom, could not give a sample. I think I was there until about midnight, and then they came in and said, we're shutting the pool. And so the tester said, well, I'll, I'll and they can't leave your side. So they jump in the car with me, drive
0: from – you're Uber now. I'm an Uber. Yeah.
1: Drive from Olympic yeah. Park back to my house, come inside, sit down on the lounge with me in my living room and, and just wait till I think it was no. about 1am at night till I could give my sample.
0: You're kidding! You you open your house to this khaki dressed yes. tester. <laughs> yes? And you did put the telly on. Is that do yeah. you mind if I you know just put the show on? Yeah, and, yeah.
1: You want to you know, a well, late here's night here's world an inv- movies SBS
0: or something? I don't know what you're watching, but here's a better story. That's very invasive. That's so often invasive.
1: often yeah. these testers will come in pairs. So one to to oh, to witness not. the sample, and the second one to witness the process and and sign off as uh, yeah, I guess a witness. So, the, this pair of testers comes one night and they're from WADA. They're not, they're not the Australian variety, they're from WADA, the World Anti Doping Authority. And it's a man and his wife. They would have been, uh, at a guess, in their 70s. So, they come into my house uh, back when I was living in Des Moines and, uh, and I'm playing PlayStation this night. It's about 9 pm at night. I've got to be out for the training the next morning. I'm playing PlayStation. They come in, uh, we're here to test a random sample. Yep, no worries. Uh are you ready to go now? No, sorry, I'm not ready to go yet. Um I'm actually, you know, in the middle of an yeah, important part of my you know, PlayStation game.
0: That's
1: right. Yeah. So yeah, no worries. So they sit down in the lounge, either side of me, man and woman. And uh watch me play PlayStation. And I'm playing a game called Grand Theft Auto Vossi. <laughs> it's quite violent. There's language, there's killing, there's there's everything. And the man says, uh, "James, I've uh we've we've got a problem here." I said, "Yeah, what well, what's that?" He said, uh, I don't think this game's appropriate for my wife to be watching. Uh, would you mind? Would you mind turning off the game? <laughs> I was like, Are you serious? Are you I'm in Are my own house, on my own lounge, yeah. playing the PlayStation. Yeah, that's oh, right. Seriously, I actually, that, yeah.
0: is, I'm writing a book. I'm now writing a book called the the What You Don't Know About Drug Testing. Let's that is that's incredible. Um, Greenie again asked what happens with the females. And is it male testers for male athletes? Was yeah, it always yeah. a male yeah. testing a male? Always a male, male. A
1: always the male that comes into the cubicle and witnesses the front-on sample. Uh, but there is often a female witness there uh, for when you're, you know, pouring the beakers into the samples and making sure it's it's all wow. above board. Yeah.
0: Uh, this one from John, hard hitting. Uh, Did you ever use a fake penis? <laughs> I've heard that was a tactic used by some of the Russian athletes in the lead up to the Sochi Games that they would yes. have some sort of when we talk apparatus.
1: Yes, correct, have, Bossy, Yeah, so that's that's yeah, why they have right. the rule about the shirts off, pants to the knees, so yeah, you can't well. hide an apparatus anywhere.
0: Didn't hear you answer yes or no to that question.
1: No, I've never used that <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
0: Ah, here we go. Um, this one, um, Pedro the Rooster says, VMs between faeces in the face and cubicles. There's been a lot of toilet humour this morning from Pedro. Yeah, we started the day um, talking about out of Germany at the ballet. Like, this is at the at the bloody ballet. The ballet director of a show during intermission has gone up to a journalist who had written a, something disparaging about a show, like mm. saying, you know, it's a four out of ten, and the director of the ballet performances produced a, a bag of dog faeces and then... Reached into it and rubbed it in the face of the journalist, which is pretty extreme. I, I, I found that one of the more astounding stories ever. Um, mm. That that was, and we did relay that story. Imagine if it happened in rugby league. Imagine if that a player took to something a journalist or a commentator said and smeared them with dog feces. What would be penalty? But anyway, um, the ballet director has since apologised, saying it was unacceptable behaviour. Oh yeah. yeah, It probably is a bit. <laughs> it was an overreaction. That's an understatement. Said, yeah, you're yeah. probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, uh, Schultz. Um, this one. Uh, after hearing about drug testing, now we know when they called James the missile, Dennis the dog. <laughs> <What's>... <laughs> I don't think we. Look, that... We'll move on from that one. Um, g'day, fellas. On missile, drug testing, and peeing, how many swimmers pee in the pool? Now, we're going all question. I don't think we need to know that. Anyway. You're listening to The Best of Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy this morning with James Magnuson and the co-host chair and we were joined by our newest SEN team member Matt Rogers who will be co-hosting Sports Day with Sats from Monday week and among the discussion points that we spoke with him about was if he preferred playing league or union and the new tackling rule that's set to come into rugby union. Well SEN, absolutely, when you talk about your off-season signings I don't think there's been a bigger signing than this. Forget what's happened in the NRL and the like. The biggest signing of the off-season was by SEN in snaring the one and only Matt Rogers, dual International. He will join the team full-time from Monday week, um, co-hosting with SATS Sports Day. This is a big leap forward. He's always been good to talk to. um, A good interview right back from his start of his playing days. I can remember being at the 2000 World Cup. Matt Rogers was part of the Rugby League Australian side back then. He was great to chat to. I think he's going to be a fantastic addition to the SED lineup on air. And he's online... Right now, Matt, welcome to SEN, the SEN family.
2: Uh, thanks, Bossy. Thanks, James.
0: Oh, mate, oh, what a what a wrap! Thanks for that.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> remember cool, remember the two thousand. Cool. Remember the two
0: thousand cool. World Cup that you um, you peroxide blonde uh, hair, didn't you? At the two thousand World Cup. Yeah, like, like I World did. Cup. There was a bit of a story
2: behind that. It wasn't uh, something that I was all that keen on doing, but uh, you had to grow you had to grow a a beard or a moustache or shave your head or dye your head something stupid just as a group. And uh, I dyed my hair black, and Freddie said, no, mate, it's almost the same colour as your normal hair. You could either dye it white or or shave it off. And, mate, with ears the size of mine, mate, I would look like a a BFA cup. So I uh, I, I dyed it white just so I could keep some hair on the scone.
1: Vossi gave me a similar hazing here at SEN, actually. He uh, made me dye the hair, grow the beard, so... Look out for that one. He's, uh, he's a bit notorious around the traps here at SEO. I'll, I'll steer clear of him.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's a scurrilous rumour, but <laughs> if I did, it wouldn't be the hair in his head that he had to die. So um, <laughs> it, it, we'd, we'd make it a little bit more interesting than that. Now, Matt, uh, jumping into the media field, um, are, are you a little nervous, a little anxious about it? It's, you've got, you've got um, another week to get yourself ready. I don't think you're going to learn much off yeah. us, but Monday week, you're, you're on. Well, I'll
2: tell you, I, I mean... One of the things that's sort of got uh, upset me over the years is the way journalists give it to players, and uh, I've, I've um, and, and you know, obviously sometimes you know, Julie, Julie, you know, it's, it's deserved, but um, it's been something I'm thinking, gee, I mean, you know, how am I going to cope with this, you know, because I'm a, obviously a former player, and uh, you know, I know how hard it can be at times, and look, you know, players are human; they make mistakes. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm all for players getting a second chance, but a third and a fourth. I'll probably, you know, fool me once, they say. But, um, yeah, look, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Um, you know, I love sport. I love all sports. So um, I'm, I'm pretty much across all of them. And it gives me an excuse now to sit in front of the telly and watch everything. And my wife can't yell at me anymore about it.
1: I'm a, uh, I'm an unashamedly Bulldogs-biased uh, commentator, I guess you call it, Matt. Are you, are you- are you still a Titan at heart, or do you put that to the side now that you're on SEN?
2: Mate, I am a shark at heart. A shark I, at um, heart. I bleed black, white, and blue. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, look, I, I've got a real soft spot for the Titans. I grew up on the Gold Coast and, you know, obviously played for them. So, yeah. uh, look, I love the team. Um, they're, they're definitely my number two, but, uh, yeah. look, at the end of the day, it uh, got to be unbiased in your commentary and <laughs> I know the Titans over the last few years have made some pretty poor decisions, uh, you know, administratively and, and with their playing roster and, and what they're paying players and the players that they've bought. So I think they've done pretty well this year. I think they've bought well. Um, but, you know, look, it's yet to be seen on the field. I, I was pretty impressed with a few of their young guys, you know, particularly Tom Weaver the other night on, on Sunday night. I thought he had a fantastic game. I think he's wonder to watch for the future. But, Look, they're going to have a few headaches in the middle of the field this year. Um, not with you know the, the playing numbers that they've got, but who they're going to pick. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go, and that's you know up to the coach, I guess. And he's under a bit of pressure, so um, we'll see what happens. But uh, Matt, I'm going to have to pull pull the knives out if things go bad
0: there. Nah. Yeah, part of the deal. Part of the deal, Matt. Now, look, yeah. I'm sure yeah, I'm sure you're going to connect with our listeners straight away, but but. but, but I reckon you're going to get a lot of questions about comparisons between league and union, and you have been there and done that in both codes, going right to the top level. Um, your test matches for the Kangaroos, and then with the Wallabies, what was it, forty-five test matches? Can yeah. I ask you then, as a fan, which was more fun, which which gave you the more fun? Not saying which was harder yeah. or tougher, which was more fun to play.
2: Well, it's hard to say, Aussie, because you know some games when you you know you're getting on on the bottom of the rock aren't much fun, but. The same time you got to run into, or you got blokes like Ruben Wiki running over the top of you. They're not fun either. So, to be honest, um, you know the thing I loved about sport more than anything was the camaraderie. It was it was the mates you made and the dressing room after the game. For a guy my size, to be to be honest, like playing the game wasn't overly fun. <laughs> it was it was the, the camaraderie and the, the, the friendships and that those moments in time you get, um, and, it, and it's just. It's like asking me which child I love the most. You know, like I've got four of them. And you know, if I said one of them, I don't think the other three would be all that happy. So um, I know I'm sitting on the fence there, but if you, you know, if you, if you, but, but I'll tell you this. If you ask me, you said mate, you can only watch one game for the rest of your life, you're not allowed to watch the other one. That's the rule. I would pick rugby league. Um, and I don't think that would be a hard choice for a lot of people right now, the way the state of the game of rugby union right now. But um, look, I had an absolute ball playing both. Um, had some of the some of the the best and the worst moments in both games. Um mate, I, I, I say I love them and hate them both equally.
1: <laughs> you, you just said Matt, that it wasn't a lot of fun playing as as a guy your size just on rugby, a topical one at the moment. do you think it would have been more or less fun playing if you had to tackle from the waist down, which is a rule they're talking about potentially uh, implementing?
2: Ah, oh, it'd be horrible. I mean, yeah, and a guy ten kilos heavier than me, I'm never going to be able to stop five meters out unless I can wrap the ball up. Like, I mean, it's just a ridiculous rule. I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna absolutely ruin the game. I mean, I, I played. I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, in 1993, I played Australian schoolboys, and I was the fly half, and Jonah Lomu was the number eight, and he would pick the ball up off the back of the scrum every scrum and just run straight at me. And the only way I could, you know. <laughs> get close, like, if I went around his legs, he was just going to steamroll me, so I'd just jump up and try and wrap the ball up and just, you know, make him carry me. I was all the 60 kilos at the time, but, you know, he wasn't going to run as fast as 60 kilos attached to him if he wasn't, so I mean, it was the only way I could stop him. And, look, at the end of the day, like, what are we trying to do with the game? Like, are we trying to make it so safe that, you know, we actually lose the game altogether? It's a war of attrition. It's a battle. And, you know, having guys this size is great, but also having small guys that can nip in around them is, is, is special too. So you're taking all that away from the game, and that's the nature of our game, um, both league and union. There's, there's a spot for the small guys and there's a spot for the big guys. And I think what you're doing um, is you're just taking the little guy out of the game by saying, you've got to tackle him around the leg. Um They'll just think, well, I mean, it's just physics, isn't it? I mean, Preston Campbell was one of the most courageous bugs I ever played with, but. When you got a, you know, a Jaraboy a Hargreaves, you know, steaming at him, if he can't, if he's just got to try and go around his legs, he's just going to get, you know, you get in the head and all yeah, sorts you get of knocked of out, horrible that can happen.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, now, Matt, um, I I'll just say with you and my co-host here, James Magnus, you do sort of have something in common. There's a thread between the two of you, both the lead athletes, of course, but um, reality TV and put it the challenge. Yeah. Um, you, you, uh, you're a star of Survivor. I mean, you, you, right. people love you on Survivor, and and James was, was pretty solid on SAS. Uh, yeah. How do you think you two would go head-to-head in those two <laughs> programs if we stick oh, mate. just have James a Survivor, rep- a just freak. UV James and SAS, UV James? <laughs> <laughs> Who mate, I'm waving the
2: white flag before we start, mate. He's uh,
0: about
2: 10 years younger than me, or 15 years younger than that man He's He's a monster. He kill
1: me. <laughs> I couldn't. I don't think I could but do the Survivor without food. I couldn't go without food that long. It would kill me. Oh, it's hard, mate.
2: It's hard. But I, I will say this, Fossey. I, I did make a bit of a career out of making big blokes look silly, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it's not something you can really do. It's hard. You know, it's reality games. It's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough. It's tough, mate. I, I actually mate, got approached about that SAS, and I had a, had a chat with Sam Burgess about it. I said, mate, what was it like? Have you got anything that hurts? Like, you got any reviews? And I'm like, yeah, I've got a few. And he goes, mate, they don't. There's no let up. He goes, they won't give you any any grace from it. He goes, if you're no good, he goes, I wouldn't do it. I'm like, yeah, right okay. on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I chickened out of that one. All right, okay. So there we go. You've been honest on that. Can I tell? Can I say to you too, Matt? Um. Uh, you should be incredibly proud of your book a father's son family football and forgiveness and i know that jay the bookman who does our joke of the day at the start of the show you'll get to know him on the sen network but he said just um he gave your book enormous praise and book signing and sold through the roof so that was incredible process but your life has been ups and downs hasn't it and and i do need to touch on i mean the death of your father those sorts of things that I guess you think about every day, and and when you actually sat down to put it in onto paper, what was that like for you?
2: Oh man, it was um, it was a lot harder than what I thought it was going to be. When I got approached to, to do the book, I, I was I was very much like, "Oh, yeah, this will be fun," because I wanted to do one when I retired, and I I'd, I'd approached a journalist who I trusted to to write it for, with me, and um, he was just like. You know, tied up and he just said, mate, I would love to do it. He said, I just don't have the time. I just, and I wouldn't do it justice. So I just sort of wrote it off, thought, oh, it's not going to get done. So to get the opportunity, you know, 12 years post my retirement to do a book um, was pretty special. And my wife had written a book um, about our son, Maxie, who's, who's um, autistic. And, you know, she went through a, a pretty full-on process in writing that, the struggles that we'd sort of dealt with. And she sort of said to me, she goes, you have to write it. She said, you can't have anyone... You can't put this through another filter. She said, you have to write it. So she sort of encouraged me to do it. And after about three months, I thought, what the hell have I got myself into here? Uh, You know, two-finger typing isn't the quickest way to uh, to knock out, you know, 60,000 words. But, um, mate, I ended up um, getting to the point, you know, writing about my dad and 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 I thought I would be able to do it and I really struggled. And it took me probably about, you know, eight to 12 months to get through just that part. Um, the rest of the book took me about eight months. I just couldn't keep going back to the computer. I actually sort of thought I'd – I just didn't think I could do it. So I just actually rang my publisher and said, look, I'm not going to do it. And they're like, oh, well, we can get a go shot to do it. I said, no, no, I don't think you're understanding me. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just – I'm going to not do the book. And I'd pretty much done it other than that part. And they sort of said, oh, look, just have a break for a while. And I sort of sat down and, and uh, sort of thought about it and uh, about – three or four months after we got back into it and had another little break and got back into it again and I guess after doing it all I sort of realized it was a it was a good thing for me it was a sort of a a real sort of therapeutic type situation for me to sort of put it all down and speak to my Mm. siblings about it all and just really sort of air out what I thought happened compared to what my brother and sister thought happened and then sort of put it pulling it all together but, yeah, I feel good about it. It actually, it actually, it's actually put me in a, in a place, Vossie, now where I feel really comfortable talking about it. Whereas before, I was just it was always yeah. that sort of elephant in the room that people would sort of not really yeah. want to talk about my dad. And, and I, just, I just don't want what happened to dad to be that thing that defined him. So I'm glad that I was able to
0: put that down and, mm.
2: and now become more comfortable in talking about the whole situation.
0: Well, you must be a very proud Sunday because the number of times in commentary you say, gee, that player reminds me of or moves like one of the Prince of Centres, Steve Rogers. Like, that must make you feel proud that he is... Rem- like, Steve was just a sludge. I mean, what a nickname. He was quite the opposite of that. I mean, just a he sensation. Was. And the favourite player he of was, so many. Yeah. So, he was, mate. Yeah, He would be. he would be proud of you too, Matt. He would be proud of you too. Don't worry about that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, mate, I mean, I grew up and he was my hero, you know, and he was every kid in the, in the neighbourhood's hero. It was back in the day before social media, obviously, and... You know, everywhere we went, he was he was a you know the 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 hero of the neighbourhood, and um, you know I was so proud of that, and I just wanted to you know I wanted him to be proud of me, you know, and that's that that was actually that's a lot a lot what the book's about. It was just about me trying to to fight for that, Um, you know, pat on the back or the you know I'm proud of your son sort of thing. Um, Different generation though back then, as you know, Vossi, there wasn't a lot of that, and uh, yeah, I struggled Mm. a little bit with that, but. You know, after writing the book again, it was, you know, another one of those moments where I just sort of had that realisation that, you know, my childhood sort of turned me into the person I am now and it gave me that resilience and that toughness to sort of keep pushing on and, and I don't think I would have been able to get through a lot of the stuff I've got through without
1: it. Just on the book, Matt, we've had a text come through from one of our listeners. He says, G'day day boys, just while you've got Matty Rogers on, I just wanna say what an outstanding book and what a great fellow he is. Thanks very much. Cheers from HP Robbo. So there you go. Good one, oh, no, uh, Matt,
2: I've, I've I've received so many like amazing messages from people online, and uh, I was yeah, I just wanted to thank everyone who's read the book, and um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a you know, great process for me.
0: Well, Monday week, it, it all changes. It's not all compliments on Monday week. Let me tell you, no, we sit here in the morning. Oh, they can rip you apart. They can rip a second one in you on a daily basis. Just about, Matt. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. You're going to, you're going to be great for the station. Yeah. And you'll be working alongside a terrific fella and Scotty Sattler. What about that? Sattler and Rogers, two icons, huge names in rugby league and uh, the Together on SEN. Maddie, all the best for it, mate.
2: Cheers, Rossi. Thanks for it, mate. Looking forward to it.
0: You're listening to The Best of Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy this morning with James Magnuson, Fresh from a big win against the Western Sydney Wanderers, the Sydney FC captain Alex Wilkinson joined us to discuss that victory and look ahead to the match against the Brisbane Raw coming up on Saturday night. Now, let's talk some football right now in the A-League. Happy to say if you look at the A-League table, uh, Sydney FC have now won their last three. Things are on the way up. Uh, still a way to go. Still, you know... Can't say definitely playing playoffs, but it's certainly looking a lot better on the back of the last three results. And playing Brisbane Raw this Saturday night at home. Uh, Brisbane Raw, on, in contrast, to coming off three straight defeats. Sydney FC last weekend, 1-0 in the derby over the Wanderers. And this is a great pleasure to welcome one of the most experienced players in the A-League to the show. He is the Sydney FC captain, Mr Alex Wilkinson. Alex, welcome. Good morning, fellas. How are you? And thank you for getting up early for us. Um, if I may, let's let's just call it like it is. Beating the Wanderers last weekend, still as sweet as ever. Always, always is.
3: Yeah, there. Uh, the derbies are always the the best games of the season, and um, you know, for for us, whenever the draw comes out, that's always the one we circle and and look forward to the most, I guess. So, um, you know, it's always always sweet to beat them. I guess not only for us, but but more so for the fans. You know, the fans uh Enjoy the occasion and, um, you know, uh, looking forward to it for weeks in advance. So for, to get the win for them is, um, was great.
1: Alex, can I just ask, uh, you've got the new facility there at, at Allianz Stadium, beautiful new stadium. Are you guys based there for your um, training and do you share facilities with the Roosters? We saw them unveil this state-of-the-art training centre with ice baths, gyms and all that kind of stuff. Or do you have your own um, training facility there at Allianz?
3: No, so we're not based at Allianz. We're um, actually our office, uh, all our office staff are based there at the moment. But um, we, as a as a training group, train out at uh, North Ride at Macquarie University, and they're, we're in the middle of building our own facility there at the moment. So uh, that started construction about oh, would be about a year ago now, maybe or a bit less. And then they're looking at having that finished in the next couple of months. So. And then once that's done, um, all the office staff will move out there, and we'll all sort of be in the in the in the one facility there at, um, at the Macquarie English Sports Field. So it's um, Allianz is is fantastic. It's it's really enjoyable um, playing there. Like you mentioned, it is state of the art, and everything in that in that stadium gives the players the best chance of, of performing at the best level. But um, it's also nice to to have a brand new facility coming our way out at out uh, of Macquarie as well.
0: Hey, hey, listen, uh, this, this will sidetrack your little Alex uh, getting away from... It. Did you used to work at Macquarie Centre? <laughs> Just by the by you're now training there. Did you used to work in one of the shops in Macquarie Centre?
3: Yeah, way back in the day, I did, yeah, when I was 15, yeah. 16. I was, um, worked at a surf shop down there at Macquarie. So, um, taking me back... Now now Alex Wilkinson. And old, but, um, yeah, no, yeah, no yeah, Alex Wilkinson, this day. is your
0: life because... it <laughs> comes the now I've got... I'm building up to something here, Alex. Um <laughs> We actually went to the same primary school. Would you believe we we went to? Uh, you That's are right, a former yeah. student of Wright East Primary School. Is that correct? Sure am. That's right. Well, well did you know that I was the goalkeeper of the premiership-winning side in Year Five and Year Six? Thank you very much, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen of East Primary. And did, did did you know that? Did you aspire to that when you were at Wright East Primary? Did you look back at the uh, the the list of former champions there? Pretty amazing stuff. No, he's going to say no. Actually. <laughs>
3: I did know no, that. It. I
0: did know that. We mentioned <laughs> no. it before. I did know that. You mentioned me being uh small world, mate. Yeah, Primary. Now, Good old let's righty. get back onto the... Yeah, Ridey's primary, one of the great schools. Now, the straight and narrow, were you aware of what was going on between uh, the two uh, gaffers? Uh, Steve Corica had a bit to say. It was the derby and, of course, uh, Mark Rudin there. Um, were you aware of what was going on and did you discuss it with your coach, your manager, after the game? No, nah, not... I saw, I'm after the game, I saw
3: them having a few words, but I didn't really, I was too far away to know what was going on. So I think it was just both of them, uh, you know, like you said, it's a derby, they're both passionate. Um, you know, they beat us in the first one as well, so we were obviously desperate to get one back on them. and um, You know, I think uh, Mark, Marco Rudin had a, I don't know, he wasn't, wasn't happy with a few things throughout the game, and he was just obviously letting his frustration out. So... You know they're 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 actually pretty good mates. They played together at Sydney FC in, in the early days of the A League, and 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 you know uh, know each other quite well. So it's uh it's funny what a what a game day and a derby brings you out there.
1: Is there a similar animosity between any of the players on the two sides, or you leave that leave that one to the coaches?
3: Uh, it wasn't too bad. I mean, there's obviously a, you know you know what it's like in sport. There's obviously a bit going on, but. Um, throughout the games, a bit of niggle here and there, especially in derbies, but look, I guess once the, uh, once the final whistle goes, you know, you shake hands, you move on and you, you move on to next week and um, you know, every game's worth the same amount of points I suppose, it's, you know, it's, it's just three points, you don't want to get too carried away with it and you've got to refocus and, and move on to next week, which is for us, Brisbane Moore this week, um, which is another big game for us and a good chance for us to, to get another win.
0: Yeah, five o'clock kickoff. You you control your own destiny in terms of that, but if results fell your way, I think Mariners are playing the Jets this week. And you know, if Jets would have win suddenly, uh, yeah, and you win, you could be, draw level with the Central Coast, who are currently sitting second on the ladder. So things can turn around. You're on a winning run. Let's keep it going. And Alex, just more, just on an issue we're talking this morning, because you're a man of great experience in the A League, we are talking um, drug testing and pr- procedure at the moment. I'm pretty sure fans would like mm-hmm. to know. Uh, is there regular um, drug testing with A-League players? Have, uh, do the drug testers turn up, the, the random testing all that often?
3: Yeah, so yeah, you, they usually turn up uh, sometimes after games, obviously, so for the in-competition testing, we mm. sometimes they'll finish the game, come down the tunnel, and there'll be a few of them there to grab a few of the boys to, to do the tests there, but then at least probably, I'd say, three or four times a season, they'll turn up unannounced at training and usually grab about mm. uh, four, five, six of us at a time to, to do uh, before training starts as well. So, yeah, they're, they're around, definitely. And, um, you know, it's 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 I guess the whole um, point is that they, they come in unannounced and um, you don't have any time to plan. But, yeah, we, we definitely see them around quite often.
1: Isn't that the worst feeling when you come off the pitch or you know out of the swimming pool and you see the drug testers there? <laughs> how do they pick, do you reckon, which players within the team? To to is it who scored a goal that game or the keeper made a great save? They go, oh, you better test this bloke.
3: Yeah, I don't know how they do go about that testing, but yeah, you're right. It is. It's uh, especially on a hot night when you when you you know you've been sweating for for 90 minutes and you come off and you're like. They tap you on the shoulder and you're like, "Mate, you're going to be here for four or five hours." So get
0: get comfortable, mate, because yeah. it's going to be a
3: long night. But, um, but yeah,
0: but Alex, the shit. last the last point on that conversation and, and what James has revealed today, you you never get told. So you provide a test, and if mm. you hear, well, no news is good news, but you don't know the time frame. You may have been cleared two days later, a week later, like two weeks, three weeks, four like. Would you like that to change? Like, would it, what would it? What would be the problem with them at least sending you a text saying your sample is clear? Like, just to relieve that little bit of oh, hang on, you know, just in case, in light of things like the Peter yeah. Bowl um, findings yesterday.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Like you said, it's sort of if you you sort of give your sample, and then if if you know if all's good, then you don't hear from them. And obviously, if if something's gonna, mm. something's wrong and you've you've obviously failed the test, then you do. I think. I guess with the Peter Boll stuff is that I guess you've got to question why it becomes public knowledge before the B sample comes out, I suppose, and then all this sort of stuff, all this, you know, stuff the poor blokes had to go through with the A sample and then all of a sudden you hear that the B sample is is clear and, you know, he's cleared his name, but, you know, for 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 the period between that time, between the A and the B being revealed, then he's been going through hell, the poor blokes. So... You wonder why it becomes, um, you know, becomes public until they have tested both samples. I know that it is rare that, I guess, both both samples are different. But at the same time, it's it's obviously happened, and it's happened in the past. I'm sure a few times. Um, you know, it, but by just revealing it after the the B sample is is um, tested, it would it would save you know situations like this happening.
0: Well, Alex, we got you onto that topic um, unannounced, so thank you for your contribution there, and uh, we'll continue to talk about it with our listeners. But all the very best to Sydney FC, to you, and to Steve Corica, uh come Saturday, 5 o'clock, Allianz Stadium against Brisbane Raw. Thanks for coming on the show. Pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me.